Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the publishing house, I've brought you the book of Philip. <laughs> oh, man. The book of Philatelic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm just wondering if I bleep out the word and keep this in. No. <laughs> uh. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift off. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the publishing house, I brought you the book of Philatelic Secrets, volume number three. This is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 209, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Scott. This is Cash. This is Mark. And this is Dawn. Today, we are continuing to answer listener emails and talk more on the upcoming U.S. Stamps for 2019. Yeah, yeah real quick. Um, we are getting a lot of sales of the Philatelic Book of Secrets on eBay. Is it on our website yet? No. 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 Okay. On eBay? Oh, yeah. I put it on eBay. So, yeah, we're, we're selling quite a few well, of them. Well, at least somebody's making money off it. Well, I mean, I'm giving the money to... Us. eBay charity. Well, yeah, eBay. Well, you're paying eBay. E- eBay is making money off eBay of us. eBay is not charity. No, <laughs> e- but you know, realistically, uh, we can afford to pay the commissions. I guess. Okay. Anybody who wants a philatelic book of secrets, I guess uh, our website will carry it eventually. Which volume? Oh, volume number three. In living color. Volume number two is still available for those who do not have one yet. Yes. Volume number one, not so much. Just call our office. And I know we have volume two available. Yes, we have quite a few volume twos. Will there eventually be a boxed, boxed set? After volume five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering there's probably only maybe five volume ones left here in the office, it's not going to be a very big, <laughs> very big offering. Second printing. I don't even know if we... We probably have the file someplace, but I'm not so certain that we do. <laughs> well, I think Kindle has the file. That'd oh, good point, good point. Yes. Yes, so you can order you can order your Kindle copy so you can <laughs> print it. <laughs> I ate too much. Can't breathe, can't move. Same here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Red Rock Casino, a buffet. <sighs> it took all my strength to waddle up the stairs here. I had the curry. Curry was really, really good. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> well, this is getting us nowhere. No. Somebody's got to read an email. 
Today, we are continuing to answer listener emails and talk more on the upcoming U.S. stamps for 2019. The subject, Scott 594 or 596. Hello, I recently came across some old stamps at an antique store on postcards. I am having a time discerning if they are either of these rarities. I'm hoping if I send you some pictures of them, you might be able to help me sort it out. Shorter answer is no. <laughs> that looks like a 632 to me. No, actually, it looks like a 552 to me. Yes. The color is the color is uh, would be one of the more unusual shades for a 632. Okay, I am not going to hold the picture up to the microphone. Tell everybody a, what we're discussing. It is a deep green one cent Franklin from 19. 19- 22 or 32, depending on whether it's rotary or flat plate printed. And uh, this is the subject of a some clickbait. They had a, oh, I'd say about eight, six months to nine months ago, a little thing uh, where it said, do you own this stamp? It could be worth $85,000. And then they show a stamp that every grandmother in the country who sent a postcard from any place they visited is going to have this stamp on it. And so everybody in the world thinks they have an $85,000 stamp. It was pretty much a workhorse postcard stamp from the early 20s to the mid-30s. And I think they printed $3.2 billion of them. Right. Of which we are going to discuss 45 of one and... (laughs) Yes. 170 of the other or something like that. 0.001%. Oh, I think less you're, than 0.01%. You're, you're missing a bunch of zeros there. Well, I think that's because <laughs> they all haven't been found yet, right? Oh, that's a good point. So huh? so why did why is there two varieties of this one stamp that Well, first of all, let's talk about the entire issue. There uh this was at a time when they were switching from flat plate printed presses to a rotary press. The rotary presses are faster. And the one of the unique features is they took the plates that were made for the flat plate press and then they would actually bend the plates around the roller. And so you'd get two plates on a roller, each, each for 180 degrees. And this would elongate the design in the direction that they were bent. Okay, hold on, hold on. You're jumping ahead. Flat plate versus rotary plate. Okay. What is a flat plate? Flat plate is basically a flat piece of metal with the... It's a basically a printing plate that's flat. Like the old Gutenberg presses from like the a, 1400s. Like a table. Like a table. It's flat like a table. The rotary press, they took the flat plate the printing plate, and they bent it and curved it around the roller. And this elongated the design. And then, uh, so depending on whether it was sideways or top to bottom, would depend on which direction the stamp was elongated in. And this is like the printing presses that you see in the old tiny movies when they show the newspapers being printed. And you see the big, long pieces of paper going through the machine at high speed, and then the newspaper whirls out and says, extra, extra, uh, Dewey is elected. World ends at 10, news at 11. 
So those are the two type of printing presses, the old-timey one and the new mechanized one. And this is the time period when they are switching from the old-timey to the new-timey. Yes, and, and of course they did use both presses simultaneously for many years. But uh, the, uh, the original issue was uh, printed in 1922. And the rotary press issues started to come around in the late 20s, early 30s. Um, most the most common one, which would be Scott number six thirty two, uh, those were in, printed in nineteen thirty two. So it's about ten years difference between those two printings, and you have to remember this series was not p- replaced until the Prexies came along in nineteen thirty eight. So this series was in use for well over fifteen years. And probably even after the Prexies came out for a little bit as they used up stocks. Now, uh, you have the two different presses, the flat plate and the rotary. The flat plates tend to be more in a green or a deep green shade. Uh, the rotary presses, a lot of those are in a more yellow green shade. Uh, sometimes green, rarely in the deep green shade. The picture that you showed was a deep green. And so I'm fairly certain that that's not a rotary issue. No, I um, don't think so. But, I'm looking at the perforations. Be. It looks like 10 and a half by 11 to me. Does it? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't be. I'm saying it's like unlikely. It, yeah. it looks like 11 by 11 to me. Really? Yeah. yeah. All right. We Plus, somebody in the audience to uh, take this picture, take off the top perfs and Photoshop and compare it to the side perfs and then say... Which one of us wins? (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, people who do want to go see this, uh, it's at uh, stampshowheretoday.com. You can see it in the notes. So everything we're going to discuss today, all all the pictures of the stamps and everything, go to the website. You can look at it all. So anyway, when they were making these stamps, obviously they made sheets and coils and booklets well the sheet the uh, the coils and the booklets all came off of the rotary presses and uh, those and so what they did is when you have those are only pr- the coil stamps are only the booklet first of all the booklet panes come off of separate printing plates so those are going to be different anyway the rotary press coil stamps are only perforated in one direction, and then they're stripped into uh, coils. And uh, if they had waste from the coiling machine before they stripped it into coils, some of those were issued in as sheet weight. They were waste. Because remember, we're in the Depression, and so the post office department is trying to save money. Well, both the Depression plus World War One. During World War One, they were no. Eight. This is World War Two. No, well, okay. This is pre World War Two, between World War Two and World War One. This is closer to World War Two. We're talking mid early mid early to mid thirties mm-hmm. when these are issued, and so they're 
So you're, you're talking you're World basically War II under, starting in China and not World War II starting in Europe. Starting in the world, not in the United <laughs> States, yes. Okay. And so, you know, things are becoming scarce. The country's in an economic depression. And so they're, they don't want to have waste. And so they take these things that are not usable as coils and they say, okay, we're going to finish them by adding perforations on the other sides and just issue them as sheets and save money that way in the printing process. And so a few of these sheets got out that were not appro not suitable for coils. And uh, they're very rare because nobody realized that they were coming out. The collectors didn't know about it. And so when you're finding something that, you know, five, ten years after it was issued, you're going, wait a minute. What's this new variety? <laughs> and they go back and they find out, oh, hey, look. There's this new variety thing that uh, now we got to add to the catalog. Now the race is on to find examples, and they're just very rare. It's a common stamp. Most people threw it away when they after they read their mail, and so very few of them were kept. So and nobody went to the, the post office and bought mint ones. So the normal, purpose. the normal, normal common one was the perf 11 by perf 11 done on a flat plate press. Correct. The rare one is perf 11 by a perf 11, same picture, done. slightly different measurements. Yes. And so the slightly different measurement, which is one millimeter, one and a half millimeters, it's small. It's small. It's really small. That difference turns a, uh, I'm not going to say valueless. Let's say a 20, nickel stamp. <laughs> a nickel stamp the into The catalog an puts it at 25 cents, which is their minimum value for any single stamp. So uh, basically, if you buy an envelope full of these things, they're not going to cost 25 cents a piece. They're going to be... An envelope Anywhere. of them you might buy for five bucks for a hundred of them. You might get a hundred of them for, no. Yeah. You might get a hundred of them for anywhere from two to five bucks. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> and so the measurement you're talking about is the design, not the overall paper of the stamp. Oh, that good, is good correct. Point, good point, yes. It's the actual green, if you measure green from one side to the other. Now, if it was mint... Uh, there were, uh, are differences in the gum between stamps printed on the different presses. Um, but generally, these rare stamps are used, and so you don't have that to go by. Yep. Now, if I have one of these stamps, and I think it might be the rare one, and I turn it over and I see green on the back, what does that mean? It means it's not a 594. Because... Because on the flat plate presses, the stamps, the sh sheets of stamps were printed and then stacked as they were drying. Once the ink was dry, then they were, the sheets were gummed and restacked. On the rotary press, the stamps are printed and they go through a drying box to dry the ink. And then on the same press, they go through a gumming station and another drying box to dry the gum before the sheets are stacked. Therefore, there's no transfer of ink 
from the freshly printed stamps to the paper on the back of the stamp, which would be under the gum. So if you see any green on the back of the stamp, and it's not, you know, I've had people send me these and they go, well, there's a little bit of green, but not much. It's like, is there any green? It's like, well, no, because it's so small. It's like, no, there is green on the back of the stamp. That means it's not this stamp. Any last things? Keep an eye out for them. Try to look for them. You're looking for a half a millimeter of difference, and then you uh, win the lottery. Right, and it has to be perf 11 by 11. Right. And that doesn't mean you're counting the number of perforations. That's the number of perforations inside of two centimeters. Two centimeters. So you're looking for a needle in a stack of needles. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. You need a perforation gauge yeah. to measure the perforations. You, you do know that this um, email is difficult to read. It makes no sense. It's how well, it was sent to us. Why don't we have Cash read it then? Okay. Because he is the email whisperer. I am not. I do not edit people's emails. This is how we got it. Okay, but don't you think it's something we should do is you know, edit for content? No. No. You don't think so? Nope. I'll tell you what, though. Since it's poorly written... It is extremely poorly written. Anonymous writes, good greeting. Hope that block of four has, oh boy, this is tough. I told you. <laughs> Hope that block of four has two lines, inverted, rich color and wide margins. And perhaps the best example of its formation is better and rare in such a case. Please send initial cost counter certificate and evaluate it. Thank you. Obviously, this went through Google Translate. Yes. I'm, I'm guessing. I would beg to differ because Google Translate isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Let, uh, let's, ju let's just call it safe to assume that probably a non-English speaking person. Well, I have a great one where I took, well, I took, the, I first, given. I took the first page of uh, Moby Dick and I put it into Google Translate. And then I took what came out of, transferred it into German. And then I took it out of German and transferred it back into English. The weirdest thing was he got the exact same text of the second chapter of the first page. of it. <laughs> <laughs> Right? It was, it, it was uh, significantly far off, let's say. Huh. Okay, well, anyway, this fellow sent us, and you got to go online to see this because it's obviously not a stamp collector. Um this block of four is in terrible condition. Only one stamp. Yeah. Well, uh, well, the bottom. Well, there's a there's a per, there's a short perf on the bottom stamp, but yeah, there's some perf faults. And uh, but anyway, he was uh, questioning because the pre and again he's from a, another country. So, but he was questioning. How do you know it's a he? Uh, good point. This felt this, this person. This person. I. Uh, and what it is, is it's the, a pre-canceled stamp, and the pre-cancel is inverted. It's upside down. Is this rare, and is it worth submitting for a certificate? Um, well, it may be rare, and it may not be rare. Um, inverted pre-cancels are highly specialized 
and generally don't have huge premiums unless the underlying stamp uh, is valuable. Um, the pre-cancels, uh, this one in particular looks locally applied, not uh, at, done at the Bureau. I think you're absolutely correct. What's the difference? How do you tell them? Um, well, the Bureau over, pre-cancels have a standard look to them, and uh, it's kind of hard to describe over well, the radio, but well, one they, thing have a, is, they have a standard font, yeah. and, they, and they have uh, between two single lines. And, and generally, uh, they don't have breaks between them. Generally speaking, they don't have breaks in the lines. And if you bureau look at this... Bureau pre-cancels absolutely do. Yeah. And, well, Most bureau pre-cancels were set up and they have breaks in the lines, yes. Well, yes, they have breaks, but it's over like 14 stamps as a break. This one obviously has a break between each stamp. Um, the font, though, on this, the letters are much, much larger and much thicker than normal. In my in my exp and and they're in the wrong font and they're in the wrong font yeah so um, so it, it's clearly a local pre cancel now local pre cancels were basically take your stamps to a printer and have them print it on your stamps uh, was not uncommon many 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 cities did it and multiple printers within a single large city would do it uh, that and those varieties are collectible to those who collect pre cancels. Yeah. But they are generally not uh, items that are sought after. Most stamp collectors who uh, don't collect pre-cancels tend to prefer postal cancels versus pre-cancels on their stamps. And so uh, that's, a, that's another valuing strike. Also, uh, exactly like you said, there are so many local pre-cancels that it's difficult for a person to do a collection of it. And collectors like completion. They like to be able to finish something. Well, I think... Bureau pre-cancels are collected because there is a start and an end, and you can look it up in a book. Well, you can look up locals in a pre in a local pre-cancels in a book, too. Uh, but the book is roughly... Encyclopedia twice size. the size. Yeah. It's twice the size of the bureau precancels, and they're not. They don't even list them all. No, no, because some of them they discover new ones all the time. Because the precancel they did on Tuesday is different from the precancel they did on Thursday, and all of a sudden be. you got a variety. It's like oh, it crap. can be that is correct. Yeah. So, like I said, the the value, no, probably not valuable. The local printers were much less concerned with upright versus inverted. Uh, all they cared about was getting the pre-cancel on the stamp. Yep. And most of the people that were using them, they didn't care either. Now, an interesting thing to note is that uh, if a pre-canceled stamp has full original gum, it's considered unused. Whereas uh, if it has no gum, it's considered used. And that's Similar with revenue stamps. If there's no cancel on it, but it has no gum, it's considered used. So that's another interesting aspect of pre-cancels. Yeah. Pre-cancels are fun, especially the experimental ones. They're listed in the Scott's well, catalog. Well, the experimental ones are completely different, and those are listed individually in the Scott catalog, mm -hmm. and they have a lot of value. Yeah. 
This is not one of those. Yes. Yeah, to answer Don's question, you sent a dick pic along with the picture of the stamps. Oh. oh. No. And on that joyous note, why don't we uh, why don't we discuss uh, new issues coming out? More 2019 new issues? Yes, more 29. 29 what? 2019. 2019. Okay. Oh, did I say 29? Yeah, you did. Uh, I, I get, think I followed you down the rabbit hole, too. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Ouch. I, I get to edit this all out so I sound better. <laughs> yeah, you won't edit me out. <laughs> Since I started these, you want me to continue them? Yeah, Please. Why don't you? Okay. Sure. So we're going to continue on with our discussion of the new issues for 2019, our lovely critique and... Uh, Stamp bashing session. <laughs> become, Actually, not become, so much anymore. I don't know. We, we, ba- we, bashed a, we bashed a couple last week Man. or two weeks ago. And rightfully so. So first one we're going to do today is the Star Ribbon Forever stamp. It is coming out on March 22nd in Oak Brook Terrace, Illinois. These will be in an easy-to-buy format of coils of 10,000. <laughs> They'll also be available in panes of 20. I think they also said that it might be in 3,000 as well. Oh, really? So, I, yeah, I just... That's a plus. I, <laughs> you only yeah, have to buy 3,000 of them? A small at plus. At 55 cents a piece? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, quick math. How much is that, somebody? 1,650 bucks. Ouch. Well, it's better than buying a coil of 10,000 then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Star Ribbon is a first-class forever rate stamp designed to meet the needs of business mailers. The artwork features a digital illustration of a star made of red, white, and blue ribbon. The white space in the middle of the ribbon creates a second smaller star. According to the postal people, the tricolored ribbon folded into a patriotic symbol is intended to evoke the connectedness of the American people. Yeah, that's what it evoked in me. The stamp will be sold in coils of 10,000 and in panes of 20. Greg Breeding was the art director. Aaron Draplin designed the stamp and created the artwork. Well, I will say, I generally like patriotic stamps, but I just don't see the need. I really don't. They, we have other patriotic stamps that are very much available, and they could have just used the same design. And, in fact, they do use the same design. So why multiple different I think they did a much better another, job than the it's not the another fl- flag stamp it, exactly and I think they did a much better job on the flag stamp I like the flag maybe stamp. but to me it's not another flag I mean how many years in a row well, have that, they issued well, flag stamps flag and, stamps flag stamps and, and that's fine and I I would prefer the variety I would have preferred they not issue the flag stamp and just issued this one they've got mm-hmm. it in booklet panes at 20 for the regular public and then they've got the large rolls for mailers that's fine. I don't need, you know, three different printers to print. Yeah. It uh, certainly, you know, a, a variety of their own plus multiple formats from each printer. I I don't need that. Unless, a, it, it, the only reason my, you would do that is to meet demand. In my opinion, it's a very plain stamp for what they're trying to pull off. It is. It I'll, is. Yeah. I do like the star within the star, I have to admit. Yeah, it's okay looking. It's it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're only going to put one stamp on a letter, 
I wouldn't necessarily choose this particular stamp. If I was at the post office and they offered me the star stamp and the flag stamp, I'd take the flag stamp. I like the flag stamp better. I believe the ceremony for this stamp is at the ASDA show. Oh, it is? Oak Terrace. Yeah, you're right. Was that Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, Brook Terrace, Illinois. It's uh, March 22nd. Do the dates coincide? Of course. Well, then, <laughs> then Mark may be absolutely correct. Yeah. Well, number two for today is the Marvin Gaye Forever stamp. It's going to be released on April 2nd in Los Angeles, California. The, the format has yet to be listed. Marvin Gaye is a subject on the latest stamp in the Music Icon series. The Prince of Soul, one of the most influential music performers of his generation, is seen in a portrait of Gaye inspired by historic photographs. The stamp pane is designed to resemble a vintage 45 RPM record sleeve. One side of the pane includes the stamps, brief text about Gay's legacy, and the image of a the image of a sliver of a record seeming to peek out of the top of the sleeve. So it's going to look kind of like the Johnny Cash and John and the Lennon. Elvis and the, uh, yeah, it's going to look kind of like yeah. that. So, no, so uh, it'll be a square ish right. sheet of twenty. Another portrait of Gay, also inspired by historic photographs, appears on the reverse, along with the Music Icon series logo. Art director Derry Noyes designed the stamp pane with original art by Kadir Nelson. This stamp does not say music to me. Well, yes, but you have to take it in the format that it's going to be delivered. It was the same thing with the Elvis stamp. You look at it and go, oh, that's a very plain stamp. But then you look at the entire sheet that looks like but a Elvis record. But was, Elvis was known for his white jumpsuits or pantsuits or whatever you want yeah. to call them. So the white made sense in Elvis's case. But again, you know, if you look at just the stamp for Marvin Gaye, you would, you know, we could criticize it and say it looks, this stamp it's a, is... It's a painting of Marvin Gaye. Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't say who he is or what he's done or anything. It, it does have his name on it. It does say Well, who he excuse is. me. It says who he is, but nothing else about him. Right. The format of being on a record and everything will be much more descriptive and it'll show what's going on. It's it's like right. the Legends of Hollywood where they show the person Legends of Hollywood and then over on the side they show him in a movie thing and they talk about him and stuff like that. I think that if we looked at this in the entire context of the sheet it would look great but just as the individual stamp you could do better. Well it Depending on how it you want it. It used to be that the stamp was everything and the selvage was the selvage and there was nothing in the selvage and it didn't really matter. Now they're making these, they're basically mini sheets and yeah. they're meant to be collected as entire sheets. They're not meant to be collected necessarily as single stamps because you lose a lot of the context when you collect just a single stamp. I think on this one, you I lose think everything. Also, yeah. I think also, though, as, as self-adhesives go, I don't think they're as designed to collect as individual stamps. They're harder to separate, and I think... Th that could be the same. You know, people will collect the sheet because it's easier to collect a sheet than it is an individual stamp. But it's also much more of an investment for somebody who's on a budget. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to go either way. And I would seriously doubt that you'll be able to uh, buy anything but a full pane either at the post office or through mail order. Oh, guaranteed. Un unless yeah, you find guaranteed. a uh, somebody who's willing to break them up. And yeah, e dealer. But again, even if you break them up, they're tough because Mark. 
Yeah. <laughs> Even if you break them up, they're tough because it's hard to break up uh, self sticks into individual stamps so that you can mount them in a collection. Yeah, you basically I don't find have to it, score the back with a razor and yeah. separate them that way. I, I I don't find it difficult. I just find it painstaking oh. yeah. <laughs> and inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Okay, I mean it helps if there, there's there, cutting there, there is some adjective that you can put on this, and that adjective will not be easy. <laughs> Correct. But I think the stamp itself, you know, it, you know, the when compared to the other stamps like Johnny Cash or Janis Joplin, you know. The individual stamp stands on its own. This stamp looks like it could have come from a Pacific Island country. And there's no... Well, that's just because well, of the way dis- John, I'm going to disagree. because of the way he looks. I'm going to disagree because we know who Johnny Cash is. But if you came from a place where you had no idea who Johnny Cash was... So you're a white country it, boy? It would be sort of like the same as this Marvin Gaye stamp. Yeah, but the like the Johnny Cash one, it 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 showed him, you know, performing. No, it and didn't. I'm, let's see. I mean, it was the Man in Black. It was yeah. a really dark stamp. I mean, yeah. it's just I don't know. Okay, didn't he have his guitar with him? Yeah, I thought it. I thought he had the guitar on him. The Janis Joplin had the you know psychedelic background. John just, Lennon the, too. Yeah, there's just nothing that that says music on this stamp to me, other than the guy has his mouth open. Well, and and you have to be of a certain age to to really know what he looks like, right? I you know, my son might know his name, but he may not recognize the picture. Yeah. Well, again, Johnny Cash, and I really like the Johnny Cash. You know, Johnny sheet. Cash is recognizable. Elvis is more recognizable. Well, John no, Lennon's more recognizable. Take, take Elvis and uh, John Lennon out of it. If you look at the Johnny okay, Janis Cash, Janis Joplin's recognizable. I mean, Marvin Gaye is just not that recognizable to younger generations. I still think it's an okay stamp when you take it in the entire context of the sheet that it's going to be in. I would agree with that. Oh, I would agree with that. I'm looking at a bunch of them right now. Lydia Mendoza. She's the only one that looks like has a guitar. Hmm. And Ray, I have no Ray, idea who Ray, she was. Ray Charles is a picture of Ray Charles. Yeah, Johnny Cash Jimmy, is a picture. Well, Jimi right. Hendrix has his guitar. Yeah. But if you if I didn't see the name Janis Joplin on Janis Joplin's stamp, I wouldn't know that's Janis Joplin. You know, Elvis, to me, very recognizable. I know what he looks like. Yeah. El- Elvis is in a different category. I mean, we have, and John Lennon, we have to remove them from it. You know, but Johnny Cash, Marvin Gaye, you know, those are... If you had just seen the individual stamp, it really wouldn't tell you who these people are. There's one. On, there's, I really there's another one on here. That says Sarah Vaughn. I I really don't know. Don't if I, know her, so I don't even know if she's a singer. I don't know if that's. I, I don't, It doesn't say music icon series, so I don't. I don't even know think if it's I would one. ever recognize a song by Lydia Mendoza. I have no idea who she is. Yeah. yeah, that one. I have no idea. How can she be an American music icon? <laughs> I mean, just because you don't know her doesn't mean she's not an icon to somebody else. Well, but I should have heard of her by now. I'm over fifty years old. Well, well, by <laughs> by definition, I think icon means that you are known by a large number of people, as opposed to you know me us here at uh, Stamp Show here today being Stamp Podcast icons. I mean, I may not be a big fan of Johnny Cash or Ray Charles or Marvin Gaye, but at least I know who they are. 
Okay, so uh, listening audience, uh, if you consider us icons, then I guess you can consider them icons. And I consider us icons. Indeed. Well said, Cash. <laughs> or said, well, Cash. Well, moving on, we're going to discuss the post office mural forever stamps. These are going to be released on April 10th in uh, Piggott, Arkansas. Piggott, yeah. Looks like the format is to be determined. Oh, maybe the, maybe the location, actual location is to be determined. It says five designs in a pane of ten. Post Office Murals is a pane of ten stamps that features five different murals designed to add a touch of beauty to post office walls and help boost the morale of Americans during the era of the Great Depression. On the stamp art, the town or city and state in which the work of art is located is printed underneath each mural. The murals included are Kiowa's Moving Camp in 19, from 1936 in Anadarko, Oklahoma, Mountains and Yucca from 1937, located in Deming, New Mexico. Antelope from 1939 in Florence, Colorado. Sugarloaf Mountain in 1940 from Rockville, Maryland. And Airmail from 1941 in Piggott, Arkansas. The art director, Antonio Alcala, designed these stamps. Okay. Uh, here's my opinion. I think that the four four of them, it, it, it's sort of like what here doesn't belong. There are four. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. There, there are four of them that are like watercolor landscapes or, you know, the Indian sort of watercolor thing. And then you have the people standing in front of the airplane. So you have like rustic sort of historical sort of landscape and then you have the airplane now if you took the airplane out the other four would fit together um let's okay first there's 10 stamps so well, uh, okay five, uh, five, five, uh, five different lines yeah okay here's the thing these are murals yes and I understood well. Now, I, how many murals are there in post offices from the 30s? Well, that's a good point. There's a lot more than this. It, it just there should be like an overwhelming or oh, you're an, looking for a theme. Yeah, exactly. Okay, because I'll tell you right now that first one with the airplane that's my favorite. I think that is a really awesome mural. Yeah, but it doesn't fit with the other ones. It's a mural. Well, I mean, you, so wonder it's if a, they... It's a mural that's on a post office wall. That's that's, that's how it that's fits in. That's the common theme. So if there was a mural with Elvis in a, uh, in a bar drinking with Marilyn Monroe, they'd put it on here and it would fit in? No, sure. because this is... If it was a mural again, on a wall Again, it office. was to yeah. boost the morale of Americans during the era of the Great Depression. I mean, if you want to get nitpicky, the... Rockville, Maryland, Sugarloaf Mountain does not belong at all with the desert and yucca trees of Deming, New Mexico. Well, but the the style of it is... Well, they're representing different styles, too. No, there's like four styles, and then... Five, five stamps. stamps. <laughs> so only two have the same style anyway. No, no, no. Four of them have the basic same style, and the fifth one, it just seems doesn't fit. What I don't like is the format. 
Yeah. Because how are you going to collect these things? Is there going? Do you have to, you know, get rid of the stamp on the lower right? It's a disgruntled the, block of five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how are you going to mount it on your on your collection? And you're going to are just, you going to keep the backing paper on the lower right? Just like we were talking about with Marvin Gaye, you're going to collect the sheet. Yeah. This is probably going to be a long, thin, booklet-style sheet. The stamps, look, stamps look like they're going to be pretty big, though. Yeah, they do look big. I like them. I just don't think that the overwhelming theme of them fits together well. Overall, personally, the artwork's not my style. These, I mean, I get what they are. I know what they are. I understand them. But as far as artwork goes, they're just not my thing. Yeah. Any of them. Yeah, they're not very inspiring. Okay, now let's get to one that actually is, in my opinion, dead on of what a stamp should be. Little Mo. Yep. Little Mo Forever stamp is going to be released April 23rd in Dallas, Texas. This issue honors tennis champion Maureen Connolly Brinker. The stamp art features an oil-on-linen painting of the tennis star by Gregory Manchess. Based on a black-and-white photograph taken in 1952, the portrait is described as a colorful interpretation of Connolly hitting a low volley. Nicknamed Little Mo, the 5-foot-4-inch dynamo used powerful ground strokes to become the first woman to win all four major tennis tournaments in a calendar year. Art director Derry Noyes designed the stamp. And so on this one, there is no question what the topic is, what it is. The only My question is, who is it? it that's the only, that was what I was going to say is. Little it, Mo. It says Little Mo. But it, somewhere else on the stamp, it should give her full given name. That exactly. I agree with. That I agree with. Like at the bottom in small print or something. I think this stamp would have been far more effective if it were, if it were the black and white photo. I like the colorized look. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to make it in, an engraved single color stamp, I'd be okay with that. But I like the I like the way the color image looks. Oh my god. The colors they used are great. L- look look closely at the third face down on the left. That's me. Huh. Shut it. <laughs> they say they don't put uh, living people on the stamps, and there I am. You're not living. You're a That's zombie. Right. Oh. Yeah, you must be. <laughs> yeah, you're targeted for termination. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've been around since 1952 or longer? Uh, I was, yeah. This is my, uh, I'm like one of those vampires that never ages. I just uh, drink the blood of younger people. Should have started drinking it earlier in your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt like stabbing me in the heart with a steak. <laughs> I like this stamp. Was up. that filet mignon or? Yeah. I was waiting for someone Top to Top round. T-bone. <laughs> T-bone. I like this stamp. I think that this is a really, really good stamp. And just think, this gets to come home with me tonight. <laughs> That was your choice. You all, I know you're all envying me right now. There's the black and white. Oh, the black and white picture here we pulled up. You want to know something? I like the colored, I like the colored picture much, much better. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice action shot. 
And it, and it looks like yeah. they did a pretty good job colorizing it, yeah. though, doing the artwork interpretation of the photo, because it looks almost exactly like it. Yeah. I think, yeah, and, although and, they added more people to the grandstand, because it almost and, looks like there's a camera in the and background. And giving it a mirror image. Mm. They that, give it a mirror image? No. No. She's facing Come the on. same way. Yeah. Come on. But they added me, and I like that. Oh. Yeah. The green on the bottom. Well, what they did is they, they also they added, they added the ball in the frame. Oh, it looks like she's cupping it. And they also added her holding a ball in her hand. Yeah, yeah. Which is not in the photo. Yeah, she's sort of holding so how, the ball. How many is she hit, trying to hit? No, she's holding well, one in her hand. If you're serving, you're holding. You're usually holding two, one for each serve. So yeah. if you're serving uh. on, if you first one's in, you got the other one still in your hand. Okay. I mean, nowadays they have them stuck in their pockets. I like the color better than the black and white. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, me too. The background colors denote the colors of a flag. So what country is that? Brown. Green, green blue, and brown. Uh, I think that's uh, Abyssinia. <sighs> yeah, you can cut that one out. <laughs> Please. Don't don't tell him to do that, because then he'll leave it in just to... Oh, now I oh, have gotta, a... Got to bleep that, that one out. That one <laughs> has to bleep that now one I out. Now I got to bleep, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Done on purpose. Well, shall we uh, end this? And uh, next week we'll discuss the two that I really want to discuss. Transcontinental Railroad. Oh, and yeah. And the T-Rex. Two really, really good issues well, see, coming that's, out. That's a new issue, though. I got You got to show me that because that's not part of, I don't think, the original list that they put out. I think you're right. Because yeah. that's like the original list for 2018 didn't include the Hot Wheels stamps, or we would have been excited about those all year, but it was just, they came out, it's like, holy cow, look at these. That's true. Andrew. So I think that's one well, of the interim issues that they throw well, out. Well, the other thing is, um, where's the moon landing commemoration? This is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. They haven't announced a moon landing stamp Oh, you yet. know there's going to be one, though. There, I will be shocked if there isn't. Well, actually, but they haven't announced one yet. I'm surprised that in June we don't have an end of World War One stamp coming out. So you know, who, who knows? And they would. But have, they did. They did. A lot of countries did the big World War One issues at the end of last year. They did the armistice. Oh, we, that yeah, that's right. Okay. And we had a crummy World War One stamp that was released mm-hmm. a long time before the armistice. Mm-hmm. So a lot. I mean, I understand that World War One isn't as big here as it was in Europe, but. We issued ours in like June when we entered the war. Then in November 11th, we did nothing. And then I think it's June 19th. On June 19th, the World War II officially ended. I don't see anything coming out. What? One. One. World War, I'm sorry. World War I ended uh, June 19th. And that's when they actually signed the treaty that pretty much guaranteed that we'd have World War II. Well, on that note. Thank you for listening. This has been Stamp Show here today, episode number 209. This was Tom. This is Scott. This is Cash, and go online to find the Philatelic Book of Secrets, volume number three. This is Mark. And this is Don. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. 
You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.